Welcome to the Business Diaries podcast, where we uncover the stories that shaped the business owner. Brought to you by Lisa Settle and Isla O'Hara. Welcome to the Business Diaries podcast. My name is Lisa Settle. And my name is Isla O'Hara. And we'll be your hosts for today. Business Diaries is a platform for businessmen and women to share their stories relating to their experiences and lessons learned in business. We've had three fantastic years of life events, listening to the stories of ups and downs in business, the lessons learned, been absolutely amazing. But then in 2020, for obvious reasons, things moved online. And as we begin 2021, we're still online, using the podcast to keep those stories coming. So Happy New Year to you all. I believe today we are talking about family-related business and all things fishy. Who's in the guest seat, Isla? Oh, we are. I'm so excited today to welcome our guest, Rosemary Williams. But before we hand over to Rosemary, let me just tell you a little bit about her. Building on her background in education and teaching, Rosemary is a highly sought-after business coach and mentor with a passion for sporting business growth, particularly in Kent. But just building on Lisa's little theme about the fishy, without giving too much away, Rosemary has another passion and interest, and that is seafood, which comes from her family's three generations as shellfish merchants in Kent. Rosemary is also an author and can regularly be found giving talks and masterclasses for home cooks and professional chefs on how to prepare shellfish. Welcome to the Business Diaries podcast, Rosemary. Thank you, Isla. Thank you, Lisa. I'm so Welcome, Rosemary. <laughs> well, from our discussions today and a sneaky previous event, which we, uh, Lisa and I will talk about later on in the show, it gives me great pleasure to hand over the airways, if you will, to Rosemary. Please share your story with us. Thank you. My nan told me she slept with one eye shut after dad was born. Now, she says she must have fallen asleep one night and shut both eyes because 15 years after my dad was born, my uncle was conceived. Nan kept herself away upstairs above the shop in Sittingbourne High Street all during the pregnancy. She was so embarrassed to have a baby at 40. I don't think we're so embarrassed about that sort of thing nowadays. After Graham was born, Nan came out of hiding. and Graham always felt very well loved. Even though there was a gap between him and his brother, they got on extremely well. He grew to love music through Nan and Grandad. And they enjoyed going to the Coniston Hotel. Even when Graham was very little, he would just fall asleep across the chairs. So when Graham was seven, that was the time I was born. So you can see how close we were in age. We always got together regularly with the respective grandparents and other relatives whenever we were in the country. But also, my dad used to travel a lot and we'd go with him. He was known as the master blaster of bomb disposal in the RAF. So he had postings in several different countries. Whenever we got back, my uncle and I still got on well, and he was rather a joker. My aunt tells many stories 
Have you heard of all those ones that they used to do? Things like frogs in the bed and apple pie um, sheets. Well, he used to do things like that and far more. It always raised a laugh when he came up with jokes and just the right quips. I'll tell you one of his famous jokes later. I went off to college and mum and dad were abroad, so I stayed with my nan in the holidays and worked in a local shop. She'd chatter away to me about the family. Do you find people do that to you, just chatter away? But you sort of listen, but don't always take it in. I just enjoyed her company. Years later, Graham settled in Kent, and so did my husband and I. We'd meet up because our children were similar ages, only a year between them. They grew up very quickly, and before I knew it, Graham was retired. Why am I here talking to you about my Uncle Graham? Because he was the catalyst for the journey that I'm on now, coming along and helping me all the way. How did he do that? After he retired, I'd go and see him and have a chat, a cuppa, and of course, my favourite thing, having something to eat. As he got older, he reminisced more, and as the months went by, I realised he was growing more frail, and I'd visit him more often. Now this time, I really liked to listen, I wanted to know, and he was telling me so much about the family and business. I tell you what, a few family secrets came out too. To remember, I took notes, and then I asked if I could record the conversations. Now, he wasn't so keen on me recording them, and I don't know about you, but it is really hard uh, to be recorded. I found a dictaphone that looked a bit like a mobile phone. So he very quickly relaxed when I just turned it on and left it between us. I must admit, it is still nice to be able to hear his voice. Graham's like me, or I'm like him, and we like to share things. I'm very keen to share and connect. And when I mentioned making what he was telling me into a family book, 25 copies, that would be marvellous, he said. He'd always wanted to pass on this information about the family. Graham used to enjoy all kinds of foods, particularly shellfish, cooking them, talking about them, joking about them. He used to like surprising people as well, remember? He'd invite them round for a meal. They'd expect it to be ready-made, so we're shocked when they had to do some of the preparation, which included shellfish. He'd also give talks and demonstrations to groups he belonged to. He told me about one particular demonstration where he prepared crab. At the end, he gave everybody a lovely wrapped parcel. How kind, one of them said. Oh, thank you, thinking he'd given them all a prepared crab. Graham said, thank you, you've seen what I've done. So here's a crab for you to prepare at home for yourself. I think they were all rather surprised. Graham chatted away and showed me how to prepare the shellfish and lots of other things. He'd done research and all sorts. 
so much. It was too much for one book and agreed that we would do one book for each shellfish and not just for the family. He wanted to share. We'd make this book available to home cooks and chefs. We made it relevant for today. We updated information, but still bringing in something of the family and history. One day, I was travelling home. I found it very difficult to concentrate on my driving. When I got indoors and sat down, the tears flooded out. He was not just sharing with me. He was giving me all this information giving me his memories of the family and business, giving me copies of the family trees, certificates, photographs. Did he know then that he was dying? As we both had the same favourite shellfish, which was crab, that was the first book that we completely wrote. Prep That Fish Crab was published and we had a big launch. Yes, you've guessed it, in the Coniston Hotel in Sittingbourne. At the launch, Graham had no chance of dropping off to sleep. He sat there all evening with a huge grin on his face. I'd say like a Cheshire cat that had licked the cream. But for Graham, it was a case of eat the fish. By the way, fish was Graham's nickname. He was so proud we had a fantastic evening. Grandad and the family were so well known for how well they prepared shellfish that they had not only the man in the street, but lots of dignitaries, well-known personalities, actors, actresses, film people, and also people in councils and government. And at my launch... We even had a princess come. Later he became ill and his pancreatic cancer came back with a vengeance. He asked if we could prepare another shellfish that my granddad didn't prepare. Clams, especially razor clams. We drafted that in his last few months. So that became the ninth book in the series. How could I carry on? Why would I carry on? Were these books for him, for me, for us? And so, having considered all this, my second business developed. After several months, the book Prep Fat Fish Oysters was published, Muscles is ready, and now other books are being prepared. Why did we do it? As I said, he and I like sharing, and that's why I'm enjoying sharing this story with you a true story about the family. I bet you've got lots of stories within your family. We didn't want the knowledge to be lost. And we wanted to help others enjoy shellfish as we do. Now remember, Graham's a great joker. One he took great delight in saying, and one that my aunt has never heard anyone say it before him, so we do think he's the originator. I bought a dozen oysters. But only 10 of them worked. I love that. 
Oh, so cheeky. Cheeky quote about the oysters at the end there, Rosemary. Thank, Thank you so you. much. I love you. Love your uncle's sense of humour. What a joker. <laughs> what a joker. And I was just getting a few little hints along the line there that actually you've picked up or you share that sense of humour, definitely, don't you? Yes, I do appreciate it when people use words as humour. I'm not yes. in where people get hurt and things like that. But I do like it when there's humour in the word wording yeah sure so clearly fishing prepping fish and selling fish has been in your family's blood and bones for many many years um how how far back in the family history have you gone well my great-grandfather moved from deal to ramsgate and there he married a lady and they had a general store in ramsgate in the plains of waterloo and then right they had the children there for some reason he moved them all up to Chatham I did wonder why but we think that from general store so he was used to running a business that he learned how to prepare shellfish there and Chatham was quite a seafaring area they did Mm. extremely well in the oyster and tea rooms in Chatham and as I said the uh, theatres and cinemas were nearby as well so they had plenty of customers as well as locals the theatre master came along one day and had a word with great-granddad apparently people have been buying things like crab claws and taking them into the cinema to eat oh <laughs> some of the uh, rubbish behind <laughs> yeah oh, oh not um, nice not nice no no. I think I think it's really interesting how you've brought that sort of old business back to life. I know, Isla, you were really taken with the fact that there's a renewed interest in fish nowadays, weren't you? Yeah, I, it just, I, you know, listening to your story, it, it just brings up sort of images of how people would have eaten shellfish uh, a generation ago and how different the the way that we would have approached appro- uh, approached buying shellfish you know, you you know, you've just mentioned people were buying crab, you know, crabfish claws. They were going and taking them into the cinema. I, I can't imagine that ever happening today. And I'm just sort of, you know, wondering what, how come everything is so different now from the way it was before? Well, I suppose then they would possibly take in something that's fresh, whereas nowadays we take in much more packaged stuff as well. So. Maybe that's the thing that's changed, which uh, is just a change in the way we live now, isn't it? Yeah, I suppose. And, yeah. and I suppose we don't get involved so much in the preparation yes. of food, especially if something yeah. takes a bit of time or maybe takes a bit of technical know-how. I, I wonder if, do you, do you think that people are almost afraid of buying shellfish because they don't really know what to do with it? Oh, definitely, definitely. But actually, fish is much safer these days because there are more regulations, much more checks on them and things like this. So it's highly unlikely you will get a problem actually eating the shellfish, uh, except maybe for allergies. So that's the thing to watch out for now. Yeah, of course. I, I loved your 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 statement about how the, the family all mucked in together to prepare the crab. 
Yeah. Um, and I think that is such a beautiful image, not not only of the family all coming together to eat, but the family sharing in the preparation and and just that. And I think that's something that's lost, too, in our sort of busy, busy, crazy world. It'd be so lovely to um, to sort of bring that back, I think, a lot more. That's what's happening now, isn't it? That people are thinking about what they're eating, where it comes from, uh, spending time mindful time preparing food putting things together and having less fear yeah and that was what graham and i aimed for to share to help people overcome their fear to just encourage people to try things where does it come from and to be healthy and you've been giving lots of talks haven't you especially you've been doing cooking demonstrations at farmers markets so that's really interesting because the farmers markets now have these presentations and these cooking demonstrations and people are really, really taking to that. So how did that come about or are you finding a, a huge interest in learning to prep fish? I'm amazed at what's happened because I just wanted to uh, sit back and basically retire and write these books and hopefully, you know, sell them. I had got interested people but I kept being asked to show people and I said but just buy my book you can do it all you can follow it minute step by step picture by picture tips and comments and they said no 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 show us and I thought well how can I do this so at first I hired a room which had sink and facilities and I'd have six people I bought everything therefore for seven people And we all prepped one of the shellfish. And people loved it. And then somebody said, why don't you do it at home? I'd had my uh, place extended and everything. And I thought, I'll give it a go. So I started doing some at home and people loved it. They said it was much more relaxing and things like that. So I started doing the classes at home. So I only have six people and we have a whale of a time. I was just about to say Isla and I have, have, have actually experienced that. And I think that you took a leaf out of your uncle's book when inviting yeah. Isla and I because you invited us for mussels <laughs> and we had no idea that we would be preparing our own food. But I mean, what an evening. It was it was fabulous and I learned so much about mussels. Yeah. Isla, I mean, how good was that? Oh, absolutely. Yeah, we, we, we came into, yeah, rightly say, your newly designed fabulous kitchen. And and you point to the table and say, he, right, here you are. Here are all your tools. Well, I was looking at kitchen <laughs> tools. I didn't even know what half of them were, but we had such a fun time. And that, it just sums up everything. It's about the sociability of eating together, you know, preparing the meal together. And I mean, it, it was a wonderful evening. It was. It was lovely. It really was. People yeah. go home and actually do that at home, even with their children now more. So that's what I mean. I'm glad to create those ripples within people and families. You mentioned the markets, Lisa. Yes, yeah. There were no food books at the market. So I was invited by um, a market manager to go along with my book. Well, I'd got two books. And I thought this would be fun. And I went along, you know me, chat to people and things like that. Then I was asked to do a demonstration on the stage. 
And again, I thought this was great fun, making up uh, recipes and doing things up there, getting people to try things. The couple I remember in particular was a man that came along and he was saying, oh, I don't like that shellfish. Oh, and I don't like cockles. And no, 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 I don't like those. And then he saw at the end I'd made these um, balls and they looked like you get children's nugget things. And he said, oh, they look interesting. I'll try one of those. I'm afraid I did have to bite my cheeks so I didn't smile. I gave him a cocktail stick. The one thing he'd said he didn't like were whelks, and I'd made these whelk balls. So he stuck the cocktail stick in and ate that and tucked into it. He said, oh, that was delicious. What was it? I'm afraid I couldn't help grinning and saying, whelk balls. (laughs) (laughs) So... You know, if people try things, and even the children, if parents say, oh, you won't like it, I say, give them a chance, let them try it. And another market, somebody was saying they didn't like something, and, and this was a food writer. And I said, well, try the way I've done it in, in this recipe. And when she tried it, she says, oh, that's the first recipe I've enjoyed eating that in. So I didn't want to write recipes and things, but I'm being asked for them. But at the classes, we do go into ways of cooking and some recipes, but they actually only do one or two recipes on the evening. And then we clear everything and have a lovely meal. Cheers. (laughs) Yeah, it was. was Very nice. So, Rosemary, you didn't set out on the trail of, of fish when you started work. I mean, obviously, that was far from your thoughts. I know that you've, you've been in the teaching profession. And, and as you, you alluded to, you've been a business advisor for many years. So were any of your existing skills useful to bring to the table, the new table, so to speak? Oh, <laughs> nicely said. Um, yes, because when I was talking to my uncle and we were doing the family book, and then agreed to do nine books. I thought well, it's quite a lot, eight books at the time originally. That's quite a lot to do. So I, I did some research. And as a business coach, I found there was a gap in the market. So if you have a look and you try and look up about preparing shellfish, you might find a quick YouTube video. You might find a page or two in a cookbook. Whereas what we were doing was something much much more detailed so that you could actually follow it minute step at a time and do it yourself at home without any embarrassment so as a business coach looking for gaps in the market that suit the talents that you have got and see what happens because as with me the passion shows through and leads to success You were telling us earlier that you've received a couple of awards for innovation recently. Is that right? Yes, because nobody else has written books like I have, uh, not even within the shellfish world. And also because it was something completely new. It was bringing shellfish up to date. So starting something new, I got um, an award for being an entrepreneur and also bringing it up to date 
and fitting in with modern thinking um, also as an innovator. I mean, that's fabulous. I mean, many, many congratulations. Yeah, absolutely. Thank you very much. I was very proud to receive those. The other thing on, um, on this is I would say to people about not putting all your eggs in one basket. So as you've mentioned, I'm also a business coach. And there are times, as I say, that that comes in extremely useful. And so I'm known as a business coach and I can coach anyone even vegans and things if you see what I mean whereas I'm also an expert person as far as shellfish is concerned which seems quite different but I hope I've made it a bit clearer that there are connections between things that you do yeah I think that you you know that's often the way when you've discovered your passions you do find a way for them to overlap don't you it's interesting I've seen that with lots of entrepreneurs Well, it's overlapped in the markets, for instance, because talking to one of the traders who'd got um, one main supplier, very, very big, well-known supplier, and I turned around one day and said, so what would happen if they didn't want you to supply them anymore? And it really made that person think about not having all their eggs in one basket so they began to look for not only other possible big suppliers, but also some smaller ones, because sometimes you need a mixture of both or different types of things to offer people. And that's been particularly useful uh, over the um, past, recent past. Oh, absolutely. I yeah, think yeah, a, I, a I lot totally of... Agree. Businesses have changed and adapted and, uh, you know, business resilience has been such a key theme um, along with with adaptability. And you yourself and everything that you've done and you've worked on is just testament to, to that. It's almost a living embodiment well, uh, of that. Yes, I've had to, through my dad, I've had to live in a different house virtually every year until I was 21 and go to a different school each time. So I am used to meeting people. And at the markets, for instance, I I met people that belong to WIs and Kent Wildlife Trust and other groups. So that's also led to me doing talks and demonstrations. So with Kent Wildlife Trust, it wasn't essential for me to do like the food preparation. So I said, fine, I'll do the life cycle of the crab. So that's what I did. Oh, and connect that um, <laughs> to wildlife groups and things like that. So it, things come up, and I think that's the other thing in business, at looking at the possibilities and taking up on the opportunities. Weigh up the pros and cons, but look at the op- that opportunity. Did I want to do it? And from that, it led to me doing an event at John Lewis and places, so... All these opportunities can open up to you. So keep your eyes open and your ears for listening. Oh, absolutely. So your story with 25 copies uh, of a book about the family history has morphed into several individual titles now. Am I right in remembering you're up to nine, did you say? At least nine. Um, I belong to the Shellfish Association of Great Britain now, and they include even more shellfish. So watch this space. I might have to include some more. Wow. 
What I'd like to say is if you noticed, I started with one book. It's now going full circle because when I've got the other books ready for publishing, I then want to have them put into one book, one compendium book. And my aim is for that to go into catering colleges. That's excellent. I mean, that was going to be my next question, Rosemary, actually. What are you working on now? So that's what I'm working on now and yeah. also getting used to um, more and more in the way of technology. And you may notice that I've been gradually making changes. So my website and technology and other things. So you do have to keep up to date with things. Yeah. Uh, can I just ask you, are there any shellfish you've yet to cover? I personally have done squid and octopus and things like that but I haven't actually planned them out as a book yet. Right, okay. And there are the um, langoustines and ones like that as well that are extremely common and popular now. So I haven't included those officially yet in a book, but uh, I'm getting there. What's, what's the most popular shellfish, would you say? For me, it's crab, oysters and mussels. Mm. But a lot of people do like things like scallops and that type of thing. And I often get stories from people reminiscing about cockles and that. In fact, a friend mm. of mine was short on iron, so I gave her a jar of cockles. Mm-hmm. Oh, it's so I beautiful. And having all of that information contained in one book, peppered with your illustrations, which are beautiful, the anecdotes and the memories you know, going back generations, it's going to be a wonderful, wonderful compendium. Are you calling it a compendium? Is that the right term? I think that, well, it's what I've been referring to, the final mm. one book that will be quite uh, quite a, a large one. That's what I'm aiming for. That is one thing I really am aiming for because through that, through getting it more into the catering colleges so that the chefs and people will be more confident and that will spread out into restaurants and things like that. And also into um, fish shops because we often get like cotton chips and things, but it would be nice to see more variety. And that's building up very gradually. If you watch it, it's just beginning to build up more and more. Because there are still fishmongers in some of our high streets. I'm, I'm based in Tunbridge Wells and we've, we have a fabulous fishmonger in Tunbridge Wells. But I know that it's, it's sometimes hard to find fishmongers. You, they don't, they're not, you don't have your local fishmonger anymore. It depends. If you want to know what your, who your local fishmonger is, get in touch with me. Because there are people that have fish vans or fish stands and okay. also the markets and things like that where they have the fresh fish come straight from its source so they are around it's just that you do have to tend to hunt for them but that's I'm, part of the, the sorry I, I totally hear what you're saying but that's part of the excitement in a way isn't it you're <laughs> you're going out and you're going to find you know source your dinner and you can as you say, chat to the fishmonger, find out where the mussels have come from or what particular shellfish is, is in season at the moment. Yes, definitely. And they're also knowledgeable as well, aren't they, in, in, in many cases, that, that you can ask questions on how to prepare yes. the shellfish if you've got any concerns. And easy recipes. Yeah. 
Oh, thank you, Rosemary. We're, we're fast running out of time. I mean, I could keep talking about shellfish all day. In fact, we're recording this quite early in the morning and, and I've been having trouble concentrating since you started talking about scallops, which are possibly my favourites. <laughs> That's next then. So finally, for breakfast. I'd like to say to for breakfast, yeah. <laughs> yeah. I do have them for breakfast. And um, finally, I'd like to say to people, remember to listen People are often talking about talking, but remember to listen. Listen to your family and other people. It'll help you in your life and it'll help you in your business. Oh, yes, thank you so much for sharing that, Rosemary, with us. It's It's been fascinating. And I have to say that I have been particularly moved by it because it's, it's really resonated. I got involved with my mum's family history and a few years back and we uncovered lots and lots of stories I, it built and you you said to me before it built this huge responsibility in me to do something with all this information I was learning which is so sort of much like you and your uncle I spent many hours with mum researching writing it all down and you know which eventually found its way to a publisher and and the book was born and you know I will always treasure that time and there was a time as you said living with your gran there was a time when it wasn't so important to me it was a story but you forget how these stories get embedded in your memory but then all of a sudden I was putting those old stories that I'd always heard and didn't really take much by them I suppose and then all of a sudden I was linking them all and these these little snippets were becoming one big story and what a special time what a special time so my takeaway today is remembering just how important it is to get that information down on paper and to say yes to your family you know tell me a story tell me you know tell me what it was like because once that history is gone it's gone so you do have a responsibility to, you know, find it out and to remember it. And even if it's just make notes, you don't have to go to the extreme of writing a book, but you never know where it will, will take you. And I love that old saying, you have to look back to look forward. It may be that right within your family, there's an opportunity. So Isla, what stood out for you today? Yeah, I mean, I resonate with with everything that you're saying. I mean, in in my business, I'm very much... I find myself very much looking forward all the time. I'm looking at future trends and looking at how our world is is going to be changing. And I think that we do that often at the peril of not looking back. I mean, you're absolutely right in, in saying that, you know, you have to look back to look forward. But, you know, and sometimes I wonder if nostalgia is is not a fashionable word anymore. And, and throughout this whole process of meeting and chatting with Rosemary and spending the evening with her and, you know, looking back at how food was, attitudes to food were so different, you know, just one generation ago and then two generations ago and the differences and how our attitude to food now and the convenience of food and, you know, just popping out to your supermarket and, you know, and as you say, Rosemary, everything's already prepared. Mm. We've lost that excitement of going to the fishmonger, going and speaking to somebody who has knowledge about the food that you're eating and the provenance of the of the food that we're eating. And, mm. and that experimentation with learning a new skill that you can then bring to your family so that you can learn something new. You bring it all home, you know, all you and the children are all busy scraping, you know, the beards off the muscles and, and then you're all <laughs> cooking and you're eating it, that that meal becomes memorable 
for more than just the quality of the food you're eating. It becomes about the experience and, and the connection that you have with each other and the conversation that you have with each other, which is away from any devices. Yeah. You're yeah. doing something physical. Um, it, it's, I think it's something that's lost. And I commend you, Rosemary, on everything that you're doing in bringing, br- trying to bring this back. Um, and it's so much bigger than almost learning how to prepare the food. It's everything that goes around what goes into making a fabulous meal. I think there is a renewed interest in food, definitely, and and where it's finding out where it's come from and and being responsible and and, and that whole mindful eating process. Yeah. Yeah, lovely. I think it's so important. I think that we need to ask you, Rosemary, how can we get the books? Where are they? Are they on Amazon? How are they available to people? Yes, my books are available. You can directly email me requesting one. That's the easiest way. You can uh, have a look at my website. You can also go on Amazon uh, and places like that. But it is listed in the uh, books so you can actually get it through Waterstones. But as I say, the easiest way is just to email me. And I really appreciate having the contact with people that buy my book as well. Okay, so, so what's your email address? To get, how can they get in contact with you? They can get in touch with me, yes, easily with my email, which is prepthatfish at gmail.com. Okay, well, that's easy enough. And the website? www.prepthatfish.co.uk. I'm on Facebook and Twitter as well. Wonderful, wonderful. Well, thank you so much. I mean, as Isla said, we're fast running out of time. It flies by this time. So we've come to an end today. All that remains is to give thanks to, of course, our guest, Rosemary. Thank you so much for sharing and giving some time today. Uh, We've really enjoyed chatting with you. We also have to thank uh, Paul Cheese for our fantastic jingle and for editing the podcast. Isla, we're going to be back next month with another podcast, aren't you? In the meantime, is there any other news? How can people get in touch with us? Well, I would ask everybody listening, keep in touch with us on social media at The Biz Diaries, B-I-Z. So please keep in touch with us at The Biz Diaries and you can find this podcast on all your favorite podcast platforms. So please subscribe to uh, your favorite channel and follow us so then you won't miss an episode because Lisa and I were so enjoying doing these episodes and having conversations such as we've had with Rosemary today. Thank you so much. So we hope that you're loving the conversations as much as we do. And please let us know what you think. Absolutely. Enormous thanks go to you, the listener, of course, for tuning in. Happy New Year to you. We hope you've enjoyed the discussion and that you'll join us for our next podcast. Bye for now. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. We hope you have enjoyed listening to this edition of The Business Diaries. We would love to hear your feedback. Please find us on Twitter and Facebook at The Biz Diaries. 